getting them to really understand the experience for the customer and making sure that they get the most out of it and being as helpful as they possibly can. Franchisee Connect, Episode 6. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the podcast that helps retailers delegate, automate, and ultimately liberate themselves from their business. Subscribe to get all the actions and insights at FranchiseeConnect.com. Okay, welcome to Franchisee Connect. I'm here with Brian Basilico. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, Michael. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about your business. Well, my business is based on, um, well, the, the core of my business is B2B interactive marketing. What I do is I help companies promote themselves, tell their stories, use internet marketing and online marketing and even traditional marketing to get their message out to the right audience. So first thing is is understanding who your audience is and then communicating the right messages and getting them to act so it turns into business. I mean, that's really what it's about. Fantastic. That's uh, that's an awesome, uh, really tight introduction. So how did you how did you get started working with franchisees? Well, let me let me tell you the the um, first and foremost my journey. Um, where I started was as I started my first business in my dad's basement. I ran a recording studio, and from there I was actually hired by AT and T to go in and work in their video department. The first thing I did was string cables for them because I had a degree in electronics and I, I wired the thing. My boss walks up to me one day and he goes, uh, "How much is your house worth?" And I said, eh, "About forty thousand dollars at the time." He says, "Well, I'm going to put a camera." on your shoulder that's worth $80,000 so don't drop it and you know like um you know the first pictures I was taking man it was like it was bad it was moving around like I can't drop this um but then I learned from there how to shoot video edit video produce video and then I opened up a commercial recording studio where I did jingles and radio commercials for local and national companies and then sold that to an internet marketing company where we did cd-roms and we did websites and flash animation all that stuff. Went to work for another major corporation, Arthur Anderson, where I um, used all the skills that I had to produce training materials for them, left them and went to an ad agency to learn online marketing. And then I opened up my company 15 years ago. In the process of that, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of um, local businesses and even more recently with some franchise companies to teach them how to A, use online marketing, social media like LinkedIn and stuff like that, but then uh, also to brainstorm about how the the franchise company and the franchisee can work better together to to generate the messages that are going to draw on the customers. So that's – and I, I have friends who own franchises. I have a friend who uh, – you, you're probably – that familiar, and maybe some of your people aren't, is uh, Jimmy John's, which is a sandwich shop um, that does sub sandwiches. And I've worked with him and, and tried to help him get things going and worked with a handful of other people. But And I network a lot with franchisees, both um, franchisees and then people I, uh, you know, that are doing network marketing. So I understand the, the, you know, the, the scope and the limitations of what you can and cannot do. And sometimes you just have to figure out where those boundaries are and do the best you can. Yeah, there's limitations of working inside the franchise system. But uh, what are some strategies that you've put in place for franchisors uh, in working with franchisees? What have what have they done working together? Well, the best thing with the franchisors is first figuring out um, what it is. They, they, a franchisor has two um, 
strategies. They, they're trying to bring in more franchisees, but they're also, they need to support their franchisors. And what they need to do is provide great content that is focused to the target market that they're trying to approach so that these guys can use that content to communicate with their audiences and then better yet, educate them how to do it and how to measure the results. And that's really kind of the core thing. So it comes in the form of a lot of different things. It could be video, it could be podcasting, it could be blogging, it could be, you know, finding great great articles and helping them to share them. It could, you know, and it comes in a lot of other traditional marketing like direct mail and print and, you know, and, and even teaching franchisees how to network better. Um, that's really important is how to teach your employees or franchisees to get out there and meet people to fran- uh, to network in a way that's going to help them promote their business. Yeah, that's really important. That's And that's a recurring theme with people that uh, we've interviewed on this podcast is continually getting outside of your box and talking to people who you wouldn't normally talk to, or even just talking to people inside the industry, other franchisees, things you've got in, you've got something in common to uh, talk to, mm-hmm. talk to these people about. So get outside your box and, and chat to these people. It's really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things that um, I do in my business, I don't know if you do in your business, but what I would suggest to franchisees is either find or start a mastermind group for franchisees and go in and you don't want somebody in the same franchise that you have. You want somebody from, you know, the, the food industry, the healthcare industry, all these other industries to get together and brainstorm together to figure out ways that they can better find a way to grow their business through whatever tools and techniques that they can all bring to the table. Because they cross-pollinate, don't they? Across all these different industries, all these ideas come together. And it's remarkable how similar the, the ideas and strategies are across healthcare and retail and f- fast mm-hmm. food and all the different franchises. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'd love to start a Franchisee Connect uh, mastermind group. That's something that we're, we're working on, definitely. If you're interested in joining the Franchisee Connect mastermind, jump on franchiseeconnect.com and hit up the contact form. It goes straight into my email inbox. This could be really powerful to get you networking with franchisees in your industry. Brian, tell me a bit about what your clients struggle with. Well, I mean, you know, from from every business, I don't care whether it's a franchisee or a local business is, I think the biggest struggle is figuring out who your ideal client is. Um, you know, it, people come in and they buy things and, and you know, most, most businesses start out thinking that um, if they've got a heartbeat in a wallet, they're a good customer. Uh, but what you really got to do is identify, you know, what your, your tr- core target market is. And, you know, it, it, it sometimes gets very confusing because when you open up a franchise or whether you open up a business, I don't care whether you're doing, you know, plumbing, heating and air conditioning, or you're doing in-home healthcare services. It's really understanding the dynamics of how people, you know, how their emotions are, what kind of empathy you need to have with them. How do you connect with them? How do you give them information that's going to draw them in? And one of the things um, that a lot of franchisees face is a, a vast majority of them are coming from a place of wealth. And then all of a sudden they lose their corporate job and now they've got to fend for themselves and they think the best way to do this is rather than starting a business from scratch is to join a franchise. But what, what coming from a, you know, a corporate position and going into a, 
a, a place where now you have to sell to consumers, uh, which is primarily what most franchises do. I mean, there are some of the ones I work with do sell to corporations, but you know, the vast majority are doing consumer stuff. So you really need to understand that audience and what drives them, what triggers them, how to get them to be loyal, how to get them to come back, how to get them to tell their friends about what you do and, and grow your sphere of influence within the audience that you're trying to communicate to. Uh, Brian, you mentioned the ideal customer there. If I'm brainstorming my ideal customer, what does that look like? Do I write what sort of things do I write down about that customer? What do I need to have in mind when I'm thinking of my ideal customer? Well, it, it depends on your business, and that's the hardest thing about it. I mean, you know, some people can narrow it down so absolutely incredible narrow that they can figure out it's five foot four blonde men who have left hands you know then it gets you know a little bit more complicated with most people it's you know people that are if you're doing food it's people that are on their way to something that your place is convenient to that want healthy whatever it is to to come into your place and buy your stuff so what you've really got to do is Look at the demographics of the people that are coming in. And the other thing, too, and this is one of the hardest things to do, is communicate with your customers. Because a lot of times, as a business owner, you're hiring other people that are standing there at the register or taking care of the services, and you're not getting the feedback directly from these people. So part of it, too, is training your employees to ask questions and then respond back to you with the answers. It's really about polling the audience and finding out what they like, what they don't like, what would they like better, how is it better and faster? Um, how can I make this uh, more of an experience for them? Do they want it cheaper? Do they want more offerings? You know, What is it that you can do to really get inside your current customers' heads to help you kind of profile what that exact customer is going to look like? Once you have that down, then you have to say, okay, now, now that I understand who my ideal customer is, I'll, I'll tell you from my perspective. Um, and I told you, I said anybody with a heartbeat and a wallet was originally a customer. One of the things that I've been able to narrow down in my world is I need somebody who can read a balance sheet. If they can't read a balance sheet, they don't understand return on investment and they will never understand the value proposition of what I bring. So, you know, I've been able to kind of say, okay, I need a business owner and I, and I can narrow it down in this way in mind. I need a business owner who really understands business, who can read a balance sheet, who has a marketing person working with them that wants to grow their business, but the marketing person needs to be educated on how to do it better. And so, you know, there's a niche that I can start to go after and find ways of communicating with those people through whatever methodology, whether it's um, speaking live, podcasting, blogs, print, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. So the first thing is you need to kind of really niche that out. The more you can niche out who your customers are, the easier it is to communicate. The second thing you have to do is figure out where they're at and then you have to communicate to them in a way that is going to get their attention and help them improve their lives. You have to communicate with empathy so that they feel like you have a connection to them. Yeah, fantastic. So you're really niching down. So you're looking for a customer who can understand a balance sheet, a customer who understands return on investment and using that to really find that ideal customer. So our franchisees have got to do a similar thing. They've got to think about who's walking in the front doors of their store, who is buying the most, who are their highest profile customers and really think about marketing directly to those people. 
Right. Or getting them to market for you. I mean, one of the, you know, the, the, the easiest thing in the world to do is if you provide great customer service and you make people happy, they're going to tell their friends about you. So you want to make sure that, you know, your employees understand the concepts, that your employees are doing the things that the frontline people are doing things that are going to create an experience. I mean, look at something like Disney. I mean, Disney is all about the, the grandeur of entertainment and they treat every single single person from the people that work in the shops to the people that are walking around in costumes to the people that run the rides, getting them to really understand the experience for the customer and making sure that they get the most out of it and being as helpful as they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. So they really understand the the ideal customer. They understand the it's all about the experience. So that's what our franchisees need to take away from this is the it's about the experience. And if you provide a great experience for the customer, they're going to talk about it. Even if that's as simple as uh, having a retail store and having knowledgeable, helpful staff approach the customer as soon as they walk in the door, or having a fast food franchise and telling the customer about the different products instead of just standing there waiting for an order. Well, this is what you can have. You can have this or this or this or this and these the different types explaining the concept to the customer so mm-hmm. brian i'd like to delve into uh, a story about one of your clients when the day they had their worst moment in business does, does one come to mind oh yeah uh, and it's it, unfortunately it's not a franchise company but it, i think it's a good story and a lesson to be learned is um i teach a lot i'm an adjunct professor at universities and colleges and community colleges, and I also teach via Skype to other universities. And I taught this one class, and it was on you know online marketing and stuff like that. And the person approached me afterwards, and she said, "Look, my company is dying. Um, I need you to help me figure out how to turn it around." And so what we did is we first and foremost, and let me tell you what she makes. She makes something called a golf club feral. I don't know if you're a golfer or not, uh, or your audience is. I am. I love golf, but what? What is that? Yeah, what a golf club feral is, is if you look at a golf club, there's kind of four parts on it. There's the head, okay, it's the thing you hit the ball with. There's the hosel, which is the actual stick that goes inside of the head. Then there's the grip, that's a rubber thing that you hold on to. But in between the hosel and the head, when you plug it in, it's kind of ugly because there's a, you know, a gap. So a feral is a little piece of plastic that sits between the head and the hosel that kind of is a decorative little piece. And every golf club has them. And yeah, it's just, it's a little piece of plastic. Her grandfather started the business in 1940s and he manufactured every golf club feral for every major manufacturer. He had a very superior product that would not break or crack. And he had a special formulation of plastic and he sold millions and billions of these things on almost every golf club across the world. Well, then we hit the 1990s and all of a sudden, you know, with the dot bomb error and, you know, the stock market crash, everybody moved all their manufacturing over to China. And so she was dying because she lost all of her corporate business. And she says, I need you to come in and figure out a way to help me save this business. And if you do, my mother is going to take you to one of the best uh, golf courses in the world. And you're going to get a free round of golf. And of course, she paid me for everything else. But that was my incentive. It's like, okay, I get to golf at Medina, which is where, you know, one of the PGA Tour events was. And it's like, it's super cool. Um yeah, so but I I needed to earn that. So what we did is the first thing that I did is do what I was telling your audience to do, which is to survey. All right, so I went and I sat down with um, 
golf club pros. I mean, people that run golf clubs and, you know, ask them questions. And I, and I got a whole bunch of people from wholesalers to a guy, and I'll tell the story of a, a guy who actually works in the PGA. So I sit down with the golf club pro and I say, okay, look, here's a golf club. Here's a ferrule. What does it mean to you? And he says, well, it's just a piece of plastic. And I said, okay. And then I went to the um, wholesalers and I said, okay, what does this mean to you? And he says, well, you know, she provides really great service and it's great part and all this other stuff. And we didn't really understand the essence of the part until I talked to a professional golf club. Um, I don't even know what to call him, but the bottom line is the dude has a truck at major PGA tour events and it's all around the world. So he'll be in Australia if they're down there or Dubai or whatever. And what he does is he actually sets off golf clubs for the tour pros. And, uh, you know, setting up a golf club is you, you have the head, you have the hosel, and the hosels, I don't know if you play pool, but if you roll a pool cue and it starts moving, you know, if you've ever seen that, it's like bent or something like that, you can't hit the ball straight. Yep. They do the same thing with the golf clubs. They make sure that these hosels are perfect and they're plugged in the right way. And this little piece of plastic goes on there as a decorative thing and they put the grip on and these guys go out and win millions of dollars. His name was Dick Smith and Dick said to me, he says, Brian, let me tell you about this. He says, here's the bottom line. That little piece of plastic, I don't care if you charge me $100 for that piece of plastic because when it breaks, it costs me $150 to replace, to fix it. So she has the best product. She has the best possible way of doing this, and I am never going to use anybody else's golf club for all because it costs me too much. So the first thing that we figured out was – is the value of that product was way bigger than what she was selling it for was seven cents. So that we turned around and we built her a website. It was an e-commerce website and put it up and said, okay, here, now we've got custom golf club ferrules. Instead of selling them for seven cents a piece, we were selling them for a dollar to a dollar and a half a piece in a set of 12. And so, you know, think about the profit margin on something like that. Um, then the next thing I did is went and did social proof. And I went into a whole bunch of golf forums and I said, hey, we've got a new website for sell parts. It's a really, really great golf club feral. And a couple of people were going scammer, spammer, bad, get out of here and all this other stuff. And then finally, a couple of people came online and said, no, 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 this thing is the real deal. It is the best feral out there. And it exploded. Oh, it absolutely fantastic. exploded. To the point where all of a sudden she calls me up and, and, and Juliana goes, Brian, I don't know what the hell you did, but stop it because I, I can't get anything done because I'm dealing with phone calls, emails, and orders. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all about understanding the value of the product to the right people because her audience was you know, these big club manufacturers and they all moved over to China. So she created a new audience that made sense based on the product that she had. What it did is it kept her alive long enough that she could sell this humongous building that she was in because that was one of the burdens on her shoulder and focus on solving the problems of a different audience and what ended up eventually happening happening is is all of the plastics manufactured over in China people were bringing them over to the United States swinging the club and the little piece of plastic would break and so the every time you ship a golf club back to get repaired because that little piece of plastic was costing the golf club companies a hundred and a hundred and fifty dollars to repair. And so what ended up happening is all of them came back. 
because they figured out her plastic was the right piece of plastic. So the moral of the story is you have to do what's right for the audience. But, you know, eventually, if you serve people in the right way, you will get the return on investment. So that's finding those influencers in that industry and marketing directly to them, those absolutely ideal customers. And then that that can grow out from there. So you niche down and then the the business grows from from word of mouth outside of that. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. That's uh, that's such a good story. Uh, I love that. So, what opportunity are you most excited about for retail, Brian? Well, for for retail, it's really about it's it's profiling your exact customer. But the biggest thing about you know social media and online marketing and all this other stuff is, and this is where a lot of people don't understand the concept of social media. Uh, you know, people that have been in uh, traditional marketing for years think that social media is just another advertising media. So they're they're all over you know targeted pixels, Facebook, and all this other stuff, um, which is great. You know, it's great to do that. But what really the power of of social media, the power of online marketing is creating something where other people want to share your content, making it viral. So for retail, it's getting people. And, and if you want to talk retail, let's talk a franchise called Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts does it better than almost anybody I've ever seen because they get their people to take pictures of their Dunkin' Donuts cups where they're at, put it up online and get people to, you know, to share their content, but then they can win a prize like a $5 gift card, you know, so they give away the fan of the week and they give away, you know, all kinds of stuff online. What they're doing is they're getting their, their stark raving fans to share their message to their friends. And, And it's, it's like an old commercial. I don't know if you had it in Australia or anybody else around the world. But it was the Breck commercial. It was a commercial where um, they showed, and this is the way it goes way back. But they showed a picture of you know, if you love Breck, you'll t- tell two friends, and so on, and so and on, and so on. Friends, and they'll tell two right. friends. Yes, yes, I right. remember. It's yeah. So it's exactly that commercial, and it, it, it was one that you know the pictures kept getting smaller and smaller, but the whole stayed the same. And that's what social media and online marketing and viral marketing does: is you want your people to come stark ra- become stark raving fans because they will tell their friends and their friends, and it will amplify. So in retail, if you can provide a way for the people that are buying from you to become those stark raving fans, to tell their friends, to to share your messages. That's the way you amplify the quality and, and, and the quantity of what you do. A lot of the franchisees that listen to this podcast are retail franchisees, and they've got a local market, a captive market, uh, people within five miles of their store, say. How can they leverage social media to reach those people and to broaden their audience within that hyper-local market? Well, and then that's one of the – that's kind of like the, the double-edged sword of being a franchisee is um, franchises oftentimes will give you a Facebook page and they'll post all their content on there. Um, and you – you know, depending on the franchise, sometimes you can post your own stuff on there. Sometimes you can't. Um, the only way that you can really do it is by engaging your audience to get on that Facebook page and then post your own content on there on a regular basis. Um 
An example from, and this again is a local business, is one local business that does coffee figured something out. They would allow their audience to tweet in their order. They would just basically tweet in, I want a, you know, double shot of espresso, cafe latte, you know, skim milk, hold the mayo. And they tweeted in. And what they would do is when they tweeted it in, they would walk outside and literally they pull up to the curb and somebody would walk out and hand them their drink rather than having to go into the store. So, you know, that's one way that you can use it. You can, you know, the, the key thing is, is that you need to get your audience engaged with your messages and you need to provide value to what your messages say. So there's a value. It's like, I don't have to get out of my car. I can hand you the three bucks. They can make change right there just like they do you know, at concession stands and stuff like that. And so it's, it's such a simple little convenience, but they, they've trained their people to do that. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go to a Starbucks, get out of your car, and go into the store and stand behind five people while waiting for the drive through to come through? Or are you going to tweet this little local business and you're going to pull up to the curb and hand them a $5 bill, get your coffee and get your change and move on? You know, and it's it's so it, it they don't have a drive through, but they did it a different way, you know, and there's not those long lines. That's a fantastic idea. So they've got, continually got engagement on Twitter from people who are ordering and, and pulling up at the curb. Right. And yeah. then other people are sharing that and other people are seeing it. So, you know, that's the way it works. Yeah. Seeing those interactions. It's, it's pretty unique. That's a that's a fantastic takeaway for our audience. Just engage your your ideal customers on Twitter. Just get in touch with them. Um, you know, set up some social media accounts. Just chat with them and and start engaging them. And you will you will get the word of mouth, the power of word of mouth. They'll tell their friends. You know, you'll start to get mm-hmm. to start to broaden your customer base. So I had a I had a specific um I interviewed a manager in a franchise. They've got two franchise uh, franchise stores in Brisbane, and they they have trouble because they can only get people from their building. So they're in the the CBD at the bottom of a building. Mm-hmm. They can only get people from the building directly above them, or the one across the street, or the one next to them. It's hyper hyper local. So they're really struggling to broaden out their customer base. They've got really slow organic growth. So that sort of strategy could be something that they use, leveraging social media to start talking with these people who are in these buildings because people in the CBD are going to have these Twitter accounts, these social media accounts. They're going to be following uh, businesses on social media and you can interact directly with those customers as a brand, which is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're allowed to, I mean, put out a coupon. I mean, if you can, if you can put out a, a one-time coupon that just says a dollar off your first order, get them, you know, find a way to get them to give you their information, add them to a, a list, and then when you broadcast that message, you know, make sure you're using a direct message to them or an at message, mention them, and just, you know, the first time they come in, they get a dollar off their order, and then the second time you're broadcasting and say, hey, you know, did you know that you could tweet your order in and we'll walk it out to the curb for you? We'll save you, you know, five minutes. So if it takes them two minutes. To to walk over to the building, um, they're going to save a ton of time not standing in line because they've already got their stuff. You know, it's a matter of looking at your customer, what's important to them, and if convenience because of the location is important, you need to look at the customer and say, how can I make it more convenient, and how can I make it effective for my business? Tweet your order in, we'll deliver it to your office. I love that. That too, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really powerful strategy that uh, I've found in working with franchisees is it's a little expensive to provide, but it's it's worth it if you can pull it off is a buy one, get one free because nobody's ever going to eat two meals. They're always going to bring a friend in. So if you do a buy one, get one free, tweet it out, have people uh, land on a page and then sign up to mm-hmm. a MailChimp list, for example. And when they sign up to that MailChimp list, they get a coupon. That's a fantastic way to grow your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great idea. Brilliant. Uh 
So, Brian, what podcast are you listening to at the moment, and what would you recommend to our franchisees that they, uh, that books that they pick up, or, or podcasts that they should listen to? Oh, there's tons of them, and that's that's uh, you know for franchisees. I mean, that well, mine would be one. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, sure. what is my, that? Yeah, mine is called Bacon Podcast. It's baconpodcast.com, and it, it's all about online marketing and mindset and business and things like that. So, you know, I hate to be um, self-serving, but I've learned a long time ago there is no such thing as shameless self-promotion. Uh, that's, so, that's exactly um, right. Is that bacon as in B-A-C-O-N? Yeah, B-A-C-O-N podcast.com and you can find it just go search it in, in iTunes or you can find it online um, either way um, there's there's tons of great ones the things that I would do is look for you know you you've got to niche out what you're looking for so you know I don't have one that's generic enough for the food business or stuff like that but you will find you know running a restaurant you know podcasts and running a, a, a clothing store podcast and the key thing you've got to do is just search try listen if you like it then continue on my favorite types of podcasts and the way I do mine are very short um, mine is only only 10 minutes uh, to 20 minutes on my expert interviews. And there's one that I love. It's called The Daily Boost by Scott Smith. It's just a motivational one that, that I listen to every single day. Um, and then there's other, most of the ones that I'm listening to are more high level um, for online marketing. So <laughs> I really don't have one specifically for those groups. But all I'm saying is, is like, there are tons of them out there and there's new ones coming every single day. So just go to iTunes or go, you know, iTunes is the best place to search if you can. You can get iTunes on a Mac or a PC, and I don't know if it's on Android or not. Uh, Stitcher, you know, go to Stitcher on your Android device. But just search the keywords that you want to learn about, and chances are there is a podcast out there that you may learn some stuff from. Yeah, do some searching around. Everybody's optimizing for the keywords in iTunes, so just just put in your favorite topic and, and start uh, start searching for some of these these podcasts. Brian, what's the number one piece of advice you'd like to pass on to our franchisees listening to this podcast? Well, the biggest thing I could say is just, you know, you're in control of your marketing. Um, even if you do have the limitations, you need to you need to spend time, we talked about it, you know, figuring out your audience and communicating with them. And the best thing I could say is, you know, talk to your customers. Um, your frontline people are, are not as invested in your business as you are, so you need to be present and do that. I mean, I just got done with an interview about networking. And, and basically, think of it as networking at your cash register. You know, talk to people and find out, you know, what they like, what they don't like, you know, what their lifestyle's like. I mean, you know, interview them and find out, you know, how can we help you better? It's really about your customer. The happier you make your customer, the more money you're going to make. And if you focus on that, you're probably going to get a much better result than somebody that just lets their frontline people just ring a cash register for them and take the sales. You've got to be putting in 110%. You've got to be in there talking to your customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great takeaway for, for Franchisee Nation. Brian, we've, we've come to the end of the interview. I, I want to say thank you very much for appearing on the Franchisee Connect podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Well, thanks, Michael, so much for having me. I mean, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I hope this helped your audience. Fantastic. And where can our franchisees reach out to you if they want some advice on marketing or if they want to just get in touch and, and ask a specific question? I'm going to give them three uh, websites to go to. The first one is b2b-im.com. That's b the number two b-im.com. That's where my blogs are, and that's where the majority of my um, services are. But the next one is the Bacon Podcast, which is just baconpodcast.com. All my podcasts are on there. There's some incredible interviews about everything you could possibly imagine, from mindset to social media to you know creating email lists and all those kind of things. And then the next one is not about 
about you. It's N-O-T-A-B-O-U-T, the letter U.com. And that's where my books are, Not About You and Bacon Bits and all those kind of things where they can learn about the whys to do social media marketing and online marketing. Ah, fantastic. I'll put notes to those three websites in the show notes so that franchisees can get in touch with you if they, if they want to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, Brian. It's been fantastic. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Franchise Connect podcast today. If you've got a suggestion for a guest who we should have on the show, that's somebody from retail who you admire and who could drop some knowledge bombs on you, let me know at franchiseconnect.com. Just visit the contact page to get in touch. Also, let me know if there's anything, you'd, anything special you'd like me to ask the guests too. Remember to visit franchiseconnect.com for links to everything we chatted about today, as well as the action steps from every one of our podcast episodes that you can take right now to delegate, automate, and ultimately liberate yourselves from the business. Make coming to work a choice with franchiseconnect.com. <laughs>